Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoYouConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. As always, episode 193 with Jesse Suggs. So hey exciting guys. to have you. Here we yes. go. Yes. Thanks for having me. Jesse, uh, well, I, I guess we're going to talk about it and it won't make sense for all of you listening, but we're doing something different. Uh, if you're not seeing that something different, you missed it. But Jesse, congratulations. You're doing a first that Jen has not had to, to do yet. Yeah. Take that, Jen. <laughs> oh, gosh. Stop it. I think your second time or third time on the podcast, like, yeah, we're going to go live in the in the Facebook group. That's right. Have fun. Hey, this is fun. I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, this yeah. Is, it's the same. It's the same. Uh, and hopefully I keep power. We've got a major winter storm bearing Ooh. down. Yeah, it on, is. Um, are you getting 65 any of it? degrees oh, here? You're rubbing it in. Let's move on to story time, Jesse. <laughs> yeah, we're we're right the same. <laughs> My gosh. Awesome. All right, Jesse, what do you got? Okay. When I was thinking about something the other day, I couldn't shake this. So I have the craziest story for you guys. So I don't know what it is about me and going in to get my tires changed or, uh, or tires rotator oil change. Somehow I switch cars. It's like, just when I go in there, they're like, here she is again. She's going to do it again. Um, so the last time I went in there, I was waiting and they were like, Hey, do you want to trade your car in? I was like, not, not really, not this time. I'm (laughs) I'm good this time. And they were like, well, we really would like your car. I was like, okay, well, I don't need to sell it. So, so what are we talking here? Long story short, you know, I ended up getting a new car. They paid me more than what I paid for my car when I bought it the first time. For your and trade-in. yes. Wow. So I put 15,000 miles on my car in the first year. It's still happening. It's still happening. And so just like everything that I do, I relate it back to the builder world. And so I was thinking... Home buyers are doing the same thing, right? With their homes. They're like, I have all this equity and then the market's even higher right now. So, you know, it just kind of put things in a perspective for me because I bought a house too. I don't know what I'm doing, but I'm out trading and <laughs> shuffling and buying new things. This is great. But when I told my aunt about my buying experience at the dealership, she went and she walked around the lot for a while. She was like, what will they give me for my car? And no one came up to her. And she was like, hmm. Hmm, this doesn't feel good. Like maybe they don't want to sell me anything. Yeah, they don't like me. Right. So she came back to me and she said, is this normal? Like, is this the experience that you had? Let me tell you, the first time I bought a car with them, I went through the online sales program. And so I'm not like shouting out online sales, but it really was a good experience because I walked through the door and I knew who I was going to and they had a time already set for me. But when she went, nobody helped her. So she got in her car and she left. And she was talking to me at the gym and I said, their policy, just to let you know, is they stand outside of the front doors at the dealership and they wait for you to come to them because they don't want to be breathing down your neck while you're trying to look around. And that kind of rolled into what Kevin was talking about on a call that we had the other day of like, how do we know when a buyer is in their research phase? How do we know when they're in their shopping phase and when are they really in their buying phase? And so All of these things kind of shifted together for me when I was experiencing it myself. And I just thought it would be interesting to talk about it today. Yeah, no, because what you're bringing up is uh, what's the 
what's the balance of just asking the customer? Right. And so this is, this is going to, you know, I love controversy as much as I love analogies. The phrase I'm just looking or, and we'll just bring everyone back, uh, catch everyone up with us. If you missed the episode or what we're talking about for the last 10 years or so, we've talked about people are shopping online for up to two years, then they become a lead and they move forward. And I think shopping is the wrong word. I think they've been researching for one to two years. And in the research phase, how do we know when a customer's in the research phase is when they tell any salesperson online or not, get the hell away from me, leave me alone. I'm just absorbing information, becoming a better customer or a better, better purchaser. And I do not want help. But the tension you're bringing up, Jesse, is how do we know for sure what phase people are in unless we ask? And, and then the other kind of fun thing I think is once we ask, if they say, I'm just looking, does that mean we just try to overcome that objection or, or, or like, is that an objection to overcome or is that reality? And I think a lot of sales training would say, well, that's, they're lying to you. If they say they're just looking, okay. obviously they're there to buy. They might be on their way towards buying. I don't know. I don't, I, I mean, yeah. it's I, a working I'm in, theory. I'm in that <laughs> right. camp. Like, I feel like, no, don't move me along. At least the way maybe I'm biased based on how I feel. I'll let you know when I'm ready to buy, when I'm ready to buy, like, I want to do this, let's go. But I don't want someone to shove me along the way to purchase a home. It's a little different than a car. A car, like, I think you could do the transaction. It always takes forever. It's like, why are we here forever. at 10 o'clock at night? It's awful. Like, but most people, if they already have a car, they're already making payments or whatever. Like, you can just switch vehicles that day. So mm-hmm. they could move you along just like Jesse. Every time you go and get an oil change, like, hey, we got this one. Come I get know. it. They know you'll do. They know you'll sign the paperwork. But yeah, I definitely, I'm, I agree with you, Kevin. I'm in that camp as far as when people are ready, they'll let you know. I like just, to argue with myself. So at the same time, I'm saying that that one side of it, the other side is, does the consumer even really know? This is the Jeff Shore um, or or like psychological side of my brain speaking. Does the consumer even really know when they're ready to move? through those phases or can they get themselves to move from one phase to the other, or do they get stuck? And that, I think, again, Jesse, the, the thing I really like that you brought up, which will give me something to think about this weekend <laughs> is that's what I do. I'm, I'm a, I'm a house, house sales. What am I? I'm just a nerd. Um, <laughs> but how, how do we okay. know both, both from digital sig- signatures and feedback that the customer is giving us, but also just human connection feedback, where are they? And, and then we've, depending on what they tell us, how do we know if, if they're fully aware of where they even are too? Yeah. I, I never was aware where I was. It's like, am I going to trade it? I don't know if you tell me and like, if the, if the price is right, if the deal is right, if it makes sense, I'll do it. But I didn't go in there with any intentions at all of getting a new car. It just made sense for me, but for buyers, you just have to meet them where they're at. And it is determining where they're at. My human nature is like, okay, just like you, Andrew, I'm like, I'm fine. I'll reach out to you when I'm ready. Let me look. But my aunt is on the other side. She wants to be approached. She had a a terrible experience based upon no one even asking. Yeah. Her expectation of what the visit would be anyways, as a consumer. So I'm sure we thought it was interesting. I'm sure we could generalize certain age groups, but it also is individuals like what we're used to. But I think uh, the dad to your argument, Kevin, as far as arguing against yourself, I think the, what I would, want is for people to know like what the process looks like so they could go like oh i had no idea 
it's going to take a year and a half or a year, six months, eight months, whatever time frame. So then they could know like, well, I'm not ready to move now, but like really by the start of school year next year, 2023. So I need to think backwards eight months from that time frame. So then when I'm talking to someone like, Hey, I'm not ready now, but like June, yeah. July, that's when we'll be ready. Well, and again, don't listen to me on sales advice. Cause what the hell do I know? But that my, my favorite opening question when I don't know what else to ask someone has always been since I, since I first heard it from a trainer 13 years ago is how can I be most helpful to you today? It's not how can I be most helpful or what can I do for you? Well, how can I be most helpful to you right now? And, and then you're relying on the person to say, I'm here to buy a car. I need help <laughs> in the shopping transaction phase, or I'm trying to figure, I am looking, I'm trying, I'm researching and I need, I need your guidance on how to do that while I'm here in this physical location. But you're- like as soon as you add value, they trust you. It's like, you know, you, you say, I'm doing this because I want to help you, not because I want to sell you. It shifts their perspective from the yeah. get-go. And it's, it's how can I add value, value being defined by the customer, yeah. not, not, not just how, how are we advancing them through our, our individual sales process. Yep. I, I like that, Jesse. Good talk. We're yeah. done. See y'all. I, I think we're going to co-author a book together on the subject. Uh, Andrew, what do you, what do you got? Oh, I got a fun one. So someone reached out to me uh, via email asking like, Hey, we're struggling in this community, which we get emails like this all the time. So this is like, sweet. This is right up my alley. Let's, let's do this. Uh, but the difference on here was like, here's our site. Here's the developer site. Here's our competition, all this sort of thing. I'm like, okay, cool. So very quickly, I'm like, oh my goodness. Like, how is this not like seen? like by you, the person talking about this, like the person that emailed, like and extremely intelligent, extremely capable. But I think the story is like, they're just too close to that community and they have all these things they know about it. And I knew nothing about the community, but long story short, if you compare the developer site versus the builder site, the developer site, you're like, this place is absolutely amazing. Like I in Florida, like let's sell the house, let's move. We're doing this. Like, this is amazing. And then you go to the builder site and it's like, three quick move-in homes available like midsummer, And then like amenities were listed. Like we have a resort style pool, like walking trails, like, you know, all the typical things. Yeah. Resort style site, pool. That, that's just, not, that's not really defined by those yeah. words. What does that mean? You go to the developer site and I'll, I'll keep it vague. So we're not like, like talking about the builder, but I'm like, um, that's a ridiculous pool. Like that is, I mean, there's this and this and this, like what in the world? Yeah, there's you, so you much got, You know, inflatable pool in the backyard. You've got, Disney world pool. And this thing is like way up there, way closer to Disney world. Yes. Meets or exceeds Disney world. And so it just made me think like, okay, what, what is the barrier? And to me, it's, it was two things. There's one being too close to it. They're just talking about it all the time in the office. But then also I think there's limitations with the website. Like there's um, a coming soon template for a community, like join the interest list, whatever call to action you're used to using. There's these standard community page, but then there's not like this. What if we have this amazing community that has a, an excessive amount of amenities. We have so much imagery and video we have to put on there to really sell it. But that template page was not available. So I think they had all these restrictions that were just in place. I'm like, okay, we need, if you have that type of community, like your site, in my opinion, like your site better be just as good as the developer site. The, um, the framework here that I, the mental model to use a a catchy phrase nowadays, is community entrance monuments. There are different community entrance monuments for different communities and different scales and different purposes. But the purpose of the community entrance 
is to create a separation and a buffer and a transition from the main road to the community. To give mm-hmm. you a chance to breathe, it's a chance to reset where you are yeah. and, and communicate something different. And we they're not all the same in every neighborhood. What, what you're describing is the same thing. The community page, when you get there on a builder's site, needs to have some flexibility to be able to yes. have a different entry monument size, so to speak, or, or a different, mm-hmm. in this case, UI, and how we're positioning um, the different pictures and videos and descriptions about the community. So that we're, you know, they're not one size fit all. Yep, exactly, exactly. I guess the third challenge too was what you've been talking about quite a bit is if you have homes that will be available, say summer and fall, but you're limited on how you could display those based on how you're selling, because you're selling at drywall or whatever, you know, weeks end, whatever the process may be, you still need to show those because if the competitors are like, we have 12, but these are available later and you have three, you can imagine the conversion rates and just who's going to get the leads will be significantly different. So it's like all these little things really adding up where I'm like, Oh, no wonder it's, it's struggling. Like this community I'm sure sells like crazy, but like it's just so limited on, on their website. Yep. Makes perfect sense to me, but we still got to keep preaching from the mountaintops or screaming from the mountaintops. What do you do on mountaintops? Uh, All of them. Nicole, breathe really hard. Sound of music. Yeah. Breathe really hard. (laughs) Ice picks. (laughs) All right. Um, so then what do you got? So my, I just have a fun, just something, something more lighthearted. Um, I'm a big fan of uh, Dr. Timothy Rethlake, as I call him. Um, he does, yeah. he's in charge of something really important at Heat and Glow. Uh, he keeps getting promoted or in charge of more things, but doing less somehow. That's uh, an inside joke between Tim and I. Uh, and he shared this, um, and it actually comes from, via Seth Godin. But it's uh, how to draw an owl, a fun and creative guide for beginners. And for those listening, the first figure one shows the a rough circle outline of the head and the main body of an owl. And it says, you know, draw two circles. And then figure two, it shows a completely drawn owl shaded perfectly. And it says, draw the rest of the damn owl. And it's that simple. <laughs> yeah, it's, just, it's a fun and creative guide for beginners. You just draw this outline and then it's done. Um, and everything in between is left up to you. And his point was, uh, cause he, he lives mostly in the world of sales. Too many sales trainers miss this as well as in take my class. Now look at you, you're Zig Ziglar. The work is in the daily practice. The work is in the improvement over time. The work is all the difference between, um, starting and ending is actually everything in between. That's the most important part. And I just thought that was a, that was a really fun uh, analogy. And of course, I'm not going to use an owl, um, but I'm going to have to find some way to remix that when we talk about um, buy online at the Builder Show. Um, Will Duderstad, Jennifer, and I are um, doing a little panel there around that because that that concept is just too good. Of yeah. why, why like is buy more- online so hard? You just you add a button that says exactly. buy or reserve, done. <laughs> and you're like, let's just start with like picking a home site. Like what if the scenario comes up, someone's on site talking to an agent and someone reserves it online and it's all within the same window. Like, well, that's awkward. And they both yeah. put money down. Like, oh goodness. There's so many I like where to think it about. says it's all in the, in the daily practice because mm-hmm. you can start with circles and then draw a masterpiece. But if you stop practicing, you're not going to be able to draw it like you were before. And I think people are getting in that, you know, rut of, let's just get it done. Let's just figure it out that they're forgetting to practice some of these things and making the final yeah. picture. I feel like everything right now is, is check the box mode. I right. mean, e- even, even 
um, like builders who don't have an online sales program at all, but now feel like since the pandemic and, and everyone realizing that the internet is a thing and we have to have a process to handle it's real. the interest generated from it and phone calls. It's like, I'll just check, like hire someone, give them a CRM system. That, that would be another analogy of like, here's the fun and creative guide to starting an online sales program. Hire someone, give them Excel, you know, or, or Lasso or HubSpot or whatever it is. And there you go. You got a, you got an online program. Oh, see ya. Draw the one. circles. Mm-hmm. We're going to do a quick break and we'll be right back. But before we get to the news, a quick word from our supporting partner, Opendoor. Opendoor partners with home builders across the country in over 2,000 sales offices and has helped generate more than $2 billion in new construction home sales. Go to opendoor.com forward slash do you convert to learn more about how you can partner with Opendoor. All right. On to the news. Andrew's favorite sound effect. I know. That's what I do. Typewriter. First up, <laughs> join Do You Convert at the International Builder Show. Ah, it's too late. We're there. This will come out it on happened. Thursday, the last day of the show, I believe. But we hope we saw you. We hope you went to breakfast with us. We're hosting a little breakfast on Wednesday morning. So on to the next news story. <laughs> I hope you, you celebrated National OSC Day. Oh, yeah. Yes. And, and that happened. Yesterday. That happened. All the things happened. There was a major announcement that happened. Uh, two major announcements, actually. So let's move on to the next news story. <laughs> some stuff here for the live people. <laughs> Do you Love like it. peaches uh, from our own Jesse Suggs? And uh, this article also wins the award, my personal opinion, for the best artwork related to a blog post on the site as well. But yeah. um, what do peaches like have to do with online sales? Why did you write this? Do you love you know, peaches personally? I do love peaches. Peaches have everything to do with everything, whether it's online sales, whether it's your personal life, it could be anything because I was really stuck in a rut. I managed as an online sales specialist, 120 communities, 150 agents and assistants, and I just felt like sometimes I would get in my daily grind. I'd be qualifying these leads. I'd be sending them out. And somehow I didn't please the agents enough. And that's okay. But it started to get to me. You know, I'm like, I'm doing my best over here. What can I be doing more? And I am in the business of always trying to, you know, encourage others and, you know, let them know that we work together as a team. And when I didn't feel it in return, I was like, what the heck is wrong with me? Like, is it me? Is it something that I'm doing? And after some a deep self-reflection, I figured out, you know, you could be the juiciest peach on the tree and there's just going to be people that don't like peaches. And so you just got to continue to do your best and what's going to be is going to be. So that was my little analogy that I said one day. And Mike was like, I love that. I love that. I love that. Like so OSC Yoda over here. I love it. <laughs> I know, right? The peaches. Yeah, that makes and sense. Lots of people liked it. Mike and I both got a, a LinkedIn message uh, from someone as soon as you posted it, same, and I'll just read it here. And she linked to your post and said, I feel like your blog topics have been so timely and so relevant to us. This one in the community launch one from Jen, you guys are reading our minds. Thanks for all you do. So it, nice. it, it does go to show like everyone's experiencing variations of of the similar challenges that that, uh, that you guys are facing and talking about with builders all the time. So that's awesome. Anything else there, Andrew? I thought you were, I interrupted you. Well, I was just saying, I'm sure these thoughts went through your mind. Like I'm literally handing you money. 
like you're making an appointment. I'm giving you a lot of money here. I don't get the profit. Like I'd be like more on the, like, I'm upset with you. Like I'm perfect, even though I'm not, but like, that's what, what my mind would go to. It's like these 90% of the people love this. Like Andrew would have handled the right. situation differently. Is what it sounds like. I'm like, let me calculate the math. 12 <laughs> months, four appointments per month for you. Two of those close two times 12, 24 sales. What, what do you get percent? Okay. Yeah. We work with somebody and they were kind of on your page. They're like, I'm over here doing the dirty work. Like I'm over here, like scrubbing everybody, getting them through the door and getting the qualified, like gold platter leads to you. Like you should be thanking me. You should be sending me thank you cards and Starbucks gift (laughs) cards for the 6am and 9pm calls. But it is really a team effort. So yeah, yeah. the peaches thing. That's where like, it, it's a perfect analogy. Peaches, like some people just don't like peaches. Right. Can't do anything about it. Yep. And if you like peaches or don't like peaches, uh, we also have something for you. If you're an online salesperson, the 2022 online sales Academy, there's, I think three tickets left by the time you're hearing this, it's most likely sold out, but hopefully there's one left for those of you uh, waiting to the last minute. But my hunch is at the show, there's conversations in the hallway. You should sign up. Sure. They sign up. Tickets are gone. So be sure to check that out. Linked in the show notes yep. for more in details. Too, in case you missed that. And in the person. coolest venue. Oh, it's in. that's right. It is in person. We have to Very say big. those things now. Uh, you get yeah. to see other human beings who are doing your job with uh, with the DU Convert cool. team Share on-site, in them. person. Where is it at again? What city? I forgot. It's in Dallas. In Dallas. Perfect. At the coolest place called Gillies. Look it up. Oh yeah. There will be good food there. We promise that this is not typical hotel conference food. This is real food. Nice. uh, That's your stale cookies and coffee. (laughs) Even better. Uh, Next coffee. Yeah, (laughs) for for sure. All day long. Uh, Next up from builder magazine, builderonline.com. What home buyers want and don't want from the buy online process. Uh, This is the first article that we've, uh, written since our transition from professional builder magazine over to builder magazine. And, um, and one of the, one of the things that is different is I no longer have a, a, a limited character uh, or amount of characters to, to tell a story. So this was, I think Andrew, that was your first reaction was like, this was a little longer than normal. Yeah. Um, well, usually you have the different sections and usually you get like a section and a half and this just, I'm like, it keeps going, <laughs> but it's a full thought, which is like the exciting part. Like it's that, like, yeah, this that is, is fun. Complete and thought. I, and so they they basically said, you just write what you want to write and we'll we'll put it out in the world. Um, and so the the thing I just to start off with is there's a stat that has been used widely um, from Redfin, where they say that 63% of 2020 home buyers made an offer sight unseen, shattering a previous record. And um, that's just it's a it's a confusing stat. And I'm not saying they're, I mean, they didn't put it out for home builder uh, prop tech companies to use to to promote their service, but it kind of got picked up a little bit that way. A a lot of those people, and we don't know exactly how many, but there is an actual quote uh, in the actual Redfin post from a buyer who says, critically, we did not purchase the home entirely sight unseen. We still included an inspection contingency and attended the inspection in person. In my opinion, if at all possible, this is the buyer speaking who said, yes, I made an offer at sight unseen. In my opinion, if at all possible, you should definitely see a home in person before fully committing to purchase it. So what is what is all of the buy online craze about? It's about certainty. Uh, again, we talk about transparency, uh, tra- transparency, authenticity, and certainty a lot. 
in this world where there's limited available homes for sale, if you can provide yourself more certainty by signing up to purchase online or for, for $0 or $50 or $1,000, uh, buyers are going to want to find that. Um, so uh, again, it is in a lar- longer article. We don't want to take too much time, but um, cu- talking through kind of what buyers actually do want from when we, when we say the term buy online, what is actually exciting to consumers today, what they don't want, and then what builders can actually start working on like right now to make things better. As an example, um, like one of the things that's going to be required to do this well is to show pricing, which some people are saying, Kevin, of course we have base pricing on our site. No, I'm talking about option pricing. Real pricing. I'm talking about home site premiums. I'm talking about all the pricing. And um, yeah, and that's when some of the things to do this really well are the things that are the most scary when I talk to owners and, and executive teams about this. And they're like, I'm not, I'm not going to put that out there. So you really have to be committed to what type of of experience you're wanting to create and who you are as a builder before you begin this process. But again, link in the show notes, thanks to, uh, to builder magazine and, uh, builder online for giving us a chance to, to contribute there, check out uh, more articles coming soon. All right. Next up, a major home buyer, home builder sees no improvement coming to the supply chain in 2022. Uh, I believe this was Pulte. Is that correct? Yes. I believe so. Mm -hmm. So NHB claims that in 2021, more than 90% of builders reported delays and material shortages. I'm not sure how that's not a hundred. I think the 10% just didn't want to admit it, <laughs> but yeah, not, not, it's not getting better collectively. The builders we talked to, the builders I, I listened to and watch, I saw a stat from uh, Ali Wolf at Zonda on Twitter yesterday, and 90% of builders across the country that they're watching have limited sales or capped sales already this year. And I, and I think a lot of people thought that was going to be loosened up and that, you know, we, we raised prices so much last year, it can't be as strong this year, but homes just aren't closing and yeah. it's, they're taking longer to build and prices keep going up. And so, um, a lot of, probably most of you listening are like, yeah, we, we know we're living this every day, Kevin, I'm living it too, in my mostly done new home that I'm in. <laughs> But to hear Pulte come out and just say, we don't see this getting better this year, that's kind of, it is not, not fun. Let's say it that way. It's not fun. If it's the, um, when you talk about buyers wanting greater transparency in your article for Builder, like that, to me, it fits like just being more transparent about it. Because the, the people find out at some point if they're buying, like it's not all rainbows and, and unicorns, as my five-year-old says. Yeah. And and none of this is new. Like it, uh, we we've, we went through all this last year, so we should know how to react to it. But I think, again, it's just, it's tough mentally to be like, but it's supposed to get better and it just hasn't gotten better. And in a lot of ways, I think it's going to get worse before it gets better uh, from the supply chain side. So, um, oh boy. You know, yeah, we're hearing that a lot in online sales too. Hey, we're back to where we were last year at the same time. Mm-hmm. Kind of feels like Groundhog's Day. Like, what should we be doing? And it's like exactly what you did last year. You know, you you roll with it, figure it out. Um, exactly what you did last challenge. year, but better. But um, better. Me, me. And what what I mean by that <laughs> is, um, if you work for a large organization, we can we can talk around something we talked about this week with a builder. I think Jesse is 
Um, if you're, if you've got, let's say you're doing business in five different States and you're trying to create a process that clearly defines what the online sales team should be saying and doing, what the onsite team should be saying and doing, what marketing's role is in either creating more leads or not creating more leads and basic messaging, having a centralized process. Um, now, when we say centralized, we don't mean there is no freedom for the folks in the different states or cities to make change, but we keep coming back to red, yellow, green, like a stoplight, and, and then let the, the individual markets decide what, what status each community is in but then have a standard process for what that looks like. And then I think the other thing over the hour talking through that I, I really think is important is setting some type of, of limiter on how often those colors can change. Because Good idea. if you're talking to the frontline salesperson or the sales manager is able to change the colors, it changes too frequently for the market or the customer or marketing to keep up. So like, hey, if you're red this week, you need to stay red for seven days. And then on Sunday night, you can say, change the color to yellow or green or whatever, but you can't, you can't change every two days based upon how someone's feeling at the moment. Uh, you got to have some other criteria or, or system or process to, to slow yeah. it down just a little bit. Definitely data-driven decision versus I feel this way. Yeah. Now, if you sell out or there's a price yeah, increase so of 50 grand and you've got to like hit the pause button. That's different. But in terms of like, this is what we need to, because those things can change and do change. Who knows when they're, you know, it, just whenever. Um, but yeah, it's, we're, we're right back there. <laughs> it's like our third year, third weird year in a row, you know, 2020, 2021. It's like, we're doing it again, 2022. Here we go again. Yep. It's not normal. From thebuildersdaily.com, reality check, Wall Street finds big single-family rental land bets awash in delays. According to an insider, nine of 10 financial player deals done between early 21 and the end of 2022 won't perform to the Performa business modeling. Here's why. So why this is important is if you saw my interview with Ivy Zellman and other folks who are saying that they're concerned about too many, too much supply coming online. This could be the wrinkle that, that maybe Ivy and her team and others aren't thinking about is, yes, the amount of money invested in single family for rent is huge. And it is a competitor for housing, broadly speaking, which would be you know competition for, for new home sales. However, just because money does grow on trees for land buyers and private equity people in, in the last couple of years, that doesn't mean they can actually turn the land that they bought into a thing that they can monetize or sell because they just can't, there's not enough, there's not enough dirt movers. There's not enough people laying pipe. There's not enough electricity uh, grids being installed or cable being run, et cetera. Oh, and um, this is why builders have land teams and development teams, because you have to go to city council meetings and township zoning and, all these other things. And so what's happening, uh, and it's a great article, well-written uh, as always link in the show notes. Yeah, it's good. But it had, they had, he has a source, an unnamed source, which you can be suspicious or not of that. Uh, it's always like, uh, like we get another up? name source to back <laughs> up the unnamed source, but I'm sure he did his best. Uh, John McManus was the author of this article, basically saying a lot of these deals that are in the pipeline either are going to be significantly delayed and so does, does all that supply rush on the market at once or not? Interesting thought. 
Um, and if it gets delayed, maybe we don't have that surge of, of too much capacity. That would be bad for the for, for valuation. Or uh, it goes on to basically talk about like this deal is just gone. Like it's that that same piece of land is back on the yeah. market again because it just didn't pencil out. And and these finance folks, for for lack of a better way to summarize who these are, these people with lots of cash and and brains are just realizing that new home development is hard. <laughs> I feel like that's a t-shirt that's or a meme waiting to happen, but it's just not as easy as putting a lot of money in it and out, outcomes of community. Um, so I think that's a really interesting thought of if kind of the takeaway for a medium, smaller uh, size builder is you might have a couple opportunities come up in your marketplace over the next year where these parcels are going to come back online and potentially at a better price point than they originally were when money was easier to get as the, as the economy tightens up a little bit. So does the nine out of 10, just 90%. That sounds, yeah, that's, that's, that that's sounds absurd. I'm doing some, some elementary math there. Nine out of 10. That seems uh, a little frightening. I don't know if that, that's the right word or that's being alarmist, but like between yeah, early 2021 to 2022, 90% of those are essentially quote bad deals is my napkin math interpretation. Then they talk about cap rates and you know, what the return is essentially making it simple. It's like, there's some that are in the high twos, like 2%, like that seems terrible. Mm -hmm. And then as delays happen, those decrease, worse. Yeah. it gets worse negative. and worse and worse. And that's where that will, the land will pop up as, as availability goes, but it'll be interesting to see how much is there. Do you know if there's data on like how much land that is, that's tied up within this? Uh, I'm be, sure there is the be, folks is on, I'd love to sell you access to that data. I'm sure they <laughs> I'm would. Sure. Um, 20,000. Yeah. But that it's, it's a interesting. lot. Yeah. It's a lot. And, and so yeah, to be continued, we'll see. To be continued. Yeah. Good article. Approximately from, from Builder Online as well, approximately 762,000 new homes were sold in 2021. Um, sales were 7.3% below the 2020 figure of 822,000. So again, 2021 was a lack of supply, not lack of demand. And um, we don't have this graph to show, but uh, John Burns and others, I've found this many different places, have shown basically in the last 45 years, there has never been more homes under construction or in process between permitting and completion ever. Wow. Not, not again, that's what this article is saying, not because we're selling that many more than we ever have in the last 45 years, but because it's taking so long to build them yeah. that, that we just have this. And again, going into a ever worsening supply chain and cost structure, it's not, not a great setup. Um, no, this need to close. They, they, they do need to close. So yeah. sales were actually down nationally uh, by 7.3%. Does that surprise you guys last year? Sales being down? Does that sound about right? Uh, to me, that I, I mean, my first, I was like, it's just supply. Like if the homes mm -hmm. were there, they were sold. I just wonder how it's going to pan out for, for this year, you know, comparatively to last year, if it's going to stay the same or speed up or, you know, we're just guessing here, but how's it going to affect us this year? Mm-hmm. That's, I, I think my hunch is that more executive teams start limiting sales more severely and for longer at some point in the year. Yeah. I mean, we had that for a couple months in 2021 where, where builders we've worked with and builders we know and friendly with definitely were basically shut down entirely for two to three months at a time. And depending on how much they've oversold, 
Um, there will be some now, probably not the publics because they got to, you know, what's the uh, Slater's got a slate and, and public's gonna, gonna produce. Cause they, I mean, they're, they're, they get, they're public. They just have to, and it's not good. I got to think something better, but <laughs> they got, they got to buy land. They got to start houses. They got to close them. Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, it, it will be interesting to watch. Yeah. What's interesting is like in the last, last paragraph, it talks about the, the average home prices, um, this one. So let's see last year. So 2021, 2020, 13% of new home sales were 500 to 749,000 this year, that number increased from 13 to 20%. And then, um, in the 200 to 299 range, it went from 26% down to 21%. So I'm sure there's some price increases in there that will mm. affect that, but those are like you skip the middle what's between 299 and 500 just what is being sold has, yeah. has definitely shifted a bit whether that's affordability or just preferences if you're i know we talked about or um maybe zelman talked about this as far as the preference for homes is is changing a bit like say someone who is 10 years younger than i or whatever age they want the quote luxury style apartments that's like going to disney world every day of your life um, and i'm personally it's very incidental but i'm seeing more and more people choose that that are younger than me, much younger than yeah. me, because you're like, your place looks amazing. Like, why would you not want to live yeah. there? And, and some of that is preference falsification, meaning that's like, they can only afford X amount of square feet. So you might as well get the X amount of square feet that comes with the yeah. uh, resort style amenities around it. Everything. Because mm -hmm. what else are you, you going to buy something that's 50 square yeah. feet bigger? Down here it's like, that you get a center block, what, what are you terrible do? home that's 60 years old, or you get the, or you get this brand new thing that's amazing, but smaller. But yeah, it looks done great. right. Uh, I guess another way to say it is done right. Amenities scale better than square footage of the home you're you're buying in terms of from a developer builder, package it all up and bring it to the to the market. Makes done, sense. done right. Amenities scale um, scale better. I like that. All right, two more news, and then we'll get to the question of the week, and we're out of here. Um, from marketing profs, I rediscovered them. I can't decide if I really love marketing profs or not. That. So much up. of the, and, and, and actually this article is a good example of, I'm not even sure that I like it. I just thought it'd be interesting conversation uh, because I, well, I'll just, yeah, I, I really don't like it. I think it's, um, I think it's weird, but it's social media hashtags for every day of the week. Oh, that's cute. Uh, so Monday, we'll just, I'll read a couple Monday, motivation, Monday, Monday morning, Monday, fun day, Monday, blues, Monday, mood, Tuesday, Tuesday, vibes, Tuesday, tip, Tuesday, trivia, Tuesday, truth. Wednesday, Wednesday wisdom, a lot of alliteration here. Wednesday, hump day, Wednesday workout, Wednesday words, Thursday, throwback Thursday, of course, is the most popular. I think that's what started the whole the whole day alliteration thing. Yeah. Thursday vibes, Thursday mood. Apparently there's not much else going on Thursdays. <laughs> Thursday's thoughts. Uh, Friday night, Friday feelings, Friday fun. You get the idea. Selfie Sunday, selfie yeah. Saturday, Sunday. Sunday hike. And I could be wrong, but to me, the day of the week hashtags. So I went, I'm showing my age here. I went to Florida State FSU in 2007. Um, so iPhone came out 2007. Facebook was what, 2006, I think, or was it seven? I can't remember. Mm -hmm. But to me, the day of the week hashtag started with bars and clubs. And it was a way to oh, like theme. And that, Jesse's that was my not in agreement. Stuff. Like Thirsty Thursday, whatever it would be, like you have the different day of the week named off of the theme of the night or whatever there is to promote it in some quote, clever way. Hmm. And then some of them kind of throwback Thursday could be anything for a, for a bar for Yeah. To me, hashtags. So like I, I need data on this, but I don't think they'd really do anything anymore. 
because the AI yeah, is taking into, are you rewatching the video? Are yeah. you, how's the engagement has so much more influence on the reach other than bots. If you put, if you want like fake likes and fake comments, then you put a hashtag of quote yeah. motivation or something. I, I think, like um, I think they still matter. And our friends at Agora Pulse would prove that that's true. They, they probably need to do a more recent test, but the last one they did about a year ago proved that um, there was a, a balancing point of, I think they said 10, eight to 10. I don't know. Yeah, it's a low matter. number. Um, d- did incrementally improve. However, the concept that people are going to follow a particular hashtag, like they follow an individual or a company, to me, it feels like it's more true on Twitter than anywhere else. Um, yeah, but Twitter I, will. And, yeah. and Instagram sometimes. Will probably like, Twitter, come on. Yeah, I forget about Twitter. Um, but to, to back to these particular hashtags, I just have a very practical question to ask, which is if I, um, if I see a Monday motivation post on a Tuesday, how should I feel? Like, I don't, I don't know what to do with that. Is it, is it's no longer relevant? It is relevant. Like, and, and that kind of almost is like, what it's is it. the point? Um, yeah. Like, like just, I'm late. just do the Monday motivation, but don't put the hashtag. I, I don't know. I don't, I don't know how I yeah. feel. I just, I didn't know if you guys had feelings on it or not. I guess I. Jesse, do you have feelings on this? You know, hashtags, I never was one. Well, for this hashtags. is an OSC related question, actually, because I feel like um, the OSCs who are tasked with social, they, they do this like featured home Friday or something. Um, so again, I'm not. I'm not totally I'm not sure down on it, but how much it does for the, I mean, you know, it's there, you can click on it. You can search through that hashtag. You can do whatever you want with it, but how many people are actually utilizing it? I'm, I don't think it's many. You know what it reminds me of? And I, I, I hate, again, I don't, I didn't, I'm still stuck on like episode seven of the office myself. Um, but I imagine either in the office or something like it, like if, if I came in every day and said, got my eight o'clock, eight o'clock eight o'clock cup of coffee. And the next time you saw me, I was like, I'm on my 10 o'clock cup. Like you don't care. Do you? It's almost like we're communicating our own internal processes of this is what I post on a day to the world. I agree. Um, And so, yeah, it's this, this file that's under old man, Kevin rant. It's not really a rant. I don't hate it. I just don't know. It seems not creative at this point. Yeah. I think if you're using something like this to create your content strategy. Like, Oh, what do we do? Like, Oh yeah. Yeah. Monday can be <laughs> model home Monday and someone, I don't want to offend anybody, but uh, I'm sure, Monday, I promise you just did Tuesday, at least five. Probably did. <laughs> Tuesday is a uh, trust is Tuesday. You post pictures of like <laughs> the roof or something. That'd be really weird by the way. But like, to me, it's, it's almost lazy. Like that's not, I had, I interviewed someone who's great at all this and really insightful. And the common theme was like, everything we do is customer first customer experience. What do they actually want? And I don't think that they don't want model home Monday. They want like more transparency. I want to see how things are built. I want to see pictures. I want to see all these things. They don't want to see like, oh, it's Wednesday. So I want to see something that starts with W and it's Wednesday or T for Thursday. Like, yeah, it's, to me, it's, it just is a quick answer to get like, hey, what content can we put out and make it match the day of the week? And if you miss that day, you're done. You're done for. Right. Throw it away. Okay, one more news story. Uh, Facebook lost daily users for the first time ever last quarter. This is from The Verge, but um, yeah, it hit, it hit my feed. Uh, you know, immediately stock was down twenty percent. Uh, Facebook daily active users declining, um, and the the head subheadline from The Verge is the metaverse pivot isn't going to fix the social network's main problems, slowing user and ad growth. 
I think the main problem is just Apple. Uh, you know, a- Apple with the iOS updates to privacy uh, definitely have hampered Facebook's ability to target as well as they used to. Um, but also, like, I, I don't know. I-, I think this is a to me. This still has Facebook ad have Facebook ads become more expensive than they were two years ago? Yeah, they have. Do they not target quite as well? Also true. Are they still incredibly uh, effective at bringing in new users to the funnel at a reasonable cost? Absolutely, yes. Yep. And you know, I'll just throw this up there because everyone's saying the stock price is proof that the company's dead. Well, in 2000, uh, December of 2018, they had a terrible slide down to $124 a share. And uh, then in about two years later, they were up to almost uh, $375 a share. So that, yeah. that they're doing that's okay. like, that's what stocks do is they what go I, up and up and What down. I think is interesting is that's the daily active users went from what, 196. I'm looking at the, I pulled up the investor relations like PDF. Yep. Monthly active users actually increased. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I saw that I'll, as well as we really need, and, and they're starting they to do this. They won't give us all the data. All that really matters in terms of like, just give me the metric I want is daily active users that click on things and then become leads. Yes. Right. Um, yep. It, of course, they're not, they're not going to have that metric. But again, this, this goes back to the TikTok craziness because uh, I talked to someone that, that we would all know very well. And he was like, what, the first thing I want to talk about, what did you think about TikTok beating Instagram? Most, most used, most downloaded. And I was like, uh, no. And you can go back and listen to that article or the podcast where I kind of broke that down as to why the stats are not necessarily correct. But also they're like 14-year-old kids so like those users are not as valuable to me as another kind of user it definitely uh, has, as well. Yeah. On average, a different age group. Yeah. Which is interesting. Um, yeah. I would advise, and we could put it in the, in the show notes to look at the, all the, I think there's how many pages. It's like 16 pages of the charts from their investor relations, their presentation that they have. Um, Cause that will give you more context than what just is in the article or what we just talked about. Cause there's you have 14 pages of, how their earnings went, the average revenue per user, like Q4 2021, highest revenue per user they've ever had. So that would make, to me, I'm like, oh, that means Facebook ads are super expensive. Yes. But I think the comma on that is like, if you're running Facebook ads, not well, I think you're punished, quote, punished more. Mm-hmm. Uh, we still have very efficient uh, cost per clicks, you know, getting people from Facebook to the site. But if you go against best practices and things, how you know, taking advantage of the AI, you very quickly see, you know, pretty high cost per clicks to get people to your website. So I think yep. we'll see more volatile experiences and, and opinions on it just as the year goes on. From online, you know, we see a high increase in Facebook leads all at once from any advertisement that goes up or any ad that you do. Um, and the first response that OSCs have are, these are not convertible leads. These people don't even really know that they submitted something or they, they're not really interested. And while that is true for some of them, most of them are just a much longer lead way to sale. Yeah. Uh, right now, people are so used to, okay, you submitted a request, you must want to buy a home today. And these Facebook leads are just being introduced to the builder and they have you know a longer runway before they're ready to buy, but they do convert. Yeah, yeah, a thousand percent. And one point of clarification, just in case someone misunderstood, we don't, we still don't recommend people be, you know, try to get leads directly from Facebook. 
But even when they go from Facebook to the builder website, website, if they convert right from a community page or a floor plan page or an inventory homepage, they just like going back to the beginning of the show, research, shopping, transaction, they just went from like, I'm not even really in the market potentially to researching, but they're, they're, they're skipping the research phase and going to shopping. And then when they hit the online salesperson, they're like, ah. I'm researching. Actually, maybe maybe I'm still just researching mm-hmm. and they're, they're going yeah. back and, and you have to nurture them through. Uh, they definitely are higher up the funnel. And that's a concept we haven't talked about in a little while. So just 30 more seconds on that. Any lead that comes from your own website is the best lead, not because it comes from just your domain.com. It's the best because your website has the most information for the consumer to see and make a judgment about before becoming a lead. So uh, that's why it's it's you don't put that on the lead source, whether it's Facebook or Zillow or Realtor.com or whatever, um, because they just haven't had a chance to see everything and make a more informed decision before they became a lead, uh, potentially. But that's yeah, and it's part of the mix, and and you use it when you needed to. All right, question of the week, and we already got uh, quite a few bits of feedback here. This was just a piece of curiosity for us. Mike and I were talking about this um, last week that interest rates are moving up and they probably are going to move up more. So the question was many builders I'm speaking with don't report that consumers are referencing interest rate increases or expressing much concern. What are you seeing in your market? And uh, early results are in that um, the majority of people say no one's really talking about it at all. Uh, Tied uh, for second place is that online sales is hearing more about interest rates um, and then obviously when people start to get to the point in their construction process where they can lock in their rates, it's, it's coming up and that, that makes sense. But we're really thinking about the first half of the process with, uh, with, you know, online leads and online sales and, and salespeople having an initial appointment, how much that was being discussed. And it sounds like it's still, it's building, but it's not to where you might've expected if you heard that, you know, if I type in 30 year fixed rate, Ohio right now, it, it would show 3.8, 3.9% with 20% down. So yeah, be interesting that poll and say six months, like how do those numbers change? Right. Just as, because yeah. I think we're educated by headlines when we're in the research phase, like we might not have time to like, once we're, I think that's when you go shopping, you're like, Ooh, this interest rate thing is super important right now. I'm getting pre-qualified. And that's when that awareness of like, Oh goodness, three point eight versus four point one, four point two. That's a whole, that's a whole whole lot of money there. Yeah. yeah a uh, couple of months ago, we were prepping for something like this to happen. You know, just us internally, like, hey, what what do we do? What do OSCs say when a customer gives you that feedback or that pushback or that concern? And we kind of were, you know, prepping them a couple of months ago, having not heard that response yet, but we still haven't really heard anyone on coaching calls or any calls that we've had express concern of customers having that as good. something like, you know, I'm not quite ready. So maybe it's because we already, we know we walked through it. This is kind of how you respond to them. But overall, I haven't heard a huge pushback for interest rate either. Yeah. I think John comment here in the Facebook group kind of sums it up. I think is that weirdly it's not a concern for us yet. Low inventory, I think is, is in our, in our market blinds home buyers initially to have that concern. And I think that's it. It's just, there's the first problem is just finding a home that's available. And so let me get through that first part of the process quickly. So I can talk to secure reserve buy online, whatever we want to do. 
And then we'll figure out the affordability and interest rate problem later seems to be where we are right now. But uh, you can still hop in the Facebook group and give your feedback. And uh, that'll do it for this week. For published articles, blog posts, videos, and more, check out doyouconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else we are online. We'll see you next week. See ya. Bye.